Geek Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. You know, parents are the same no matter time or place. They don't understand that us kids are going to make some mistakes. So to you, all the kids across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. <laughs> Andrew Young. I'm Batula Neal. And this week, we're, we're not talking about the early career of Will Smith. We are, in fact, talking about, probably when it comes to families, the parent that most doesn't understand. That is Reed Richards. And we're looking back at a book from 2020, X-Men Fantastic Four. Now, Petula, this was one of your picks that you brought to me. It's uh, written by our boy Chip Zdarsky with art by, I'd probably say they got to be in your top five favorite artists, Terry and Rachel Dodson. I mean, it's the eyes, the eyebrows, the <laughs> eyeliners, like it's also great hair work as well. It's just pretty. So pretty. So pretty. Yeah. So pretty. Yeah. yeah. So this book came out as a miniseries during the beginning of Hickman's X-Men reimagining. And now, of course, they've got Krakoa and they've got all these gateways all over the world where people can go to Krakoa because it is a safe haven and a nation for mutants which unlike genosha is one where people can easily get to and is not living under the threat of bombing all the time people forget but franklin richards is a mutant he was born with powers his sister wasn't she just happened to be super smart that was just regular genes that gave her that but he himself is a mutant and so of course the island of krakoa is available to all mutants that live on earth so it was also available to him. And of course, Professor Xavier, Magneto, they're all, during this whole thing, they're all about, you know, good publicity. Like, ooh, well, if we can get a big star to come and live on our island, like Franklin Richards, that'll show our power. And of course, Reed Richards, the entire time, has been thinking, well, since this Krakoa thing has popped up, they're probably going to want my son. So you have all these thoughts bearing down on the story as it begins. The triad of bad dads features prominently in this, all making terrible choices. Actually, and, and we could throw in uh, Doom as well as just a bad leader slash parent figure or manipulative and controlling. Crazy so, uncle. Crazy uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and having all of those people make decisions for Franklin before he's even had a chance to think about what his choices could be inevitably ends the way you think it will in that he's becomes alienated emotionally uh, from all of them and distrustful. Definitely. So yeah. So the idea is that Xavier and Magneto are like, we're going to go to the fantastic fours base and basically say, Hey, Franklin Richards should come live with us. But Kitty, and of course, Catherine pride, Kate pride, Kitty pride, and then all the different code names she's had over the years. Years ago, back, I believe it was just after the Mutant Massacre, she was stuck in a completely phased form and needed the help of the Fantastic Four to get back her physical form, her actual solid form, which I think that took place in the first, I think it was X-Men versus Fantastic Four in that one where she's pretty much spending time in Reed's lab in like a chamber containing her essence. And during that time, she had gotten to know Franklin when he was a little boy. And so there was a connection made there. And of course, Xavier and Magneto want to manipulate. They want to yes. use that. Almost groomy. 
like she wasn't doing it on purpose, but the way they deploy her in this is very, yeah. Yeah, they're basically taking advantage of a relationship that already exists. It's like two people yeah. that are friends going, well, you're going to come and he trusts you. And so you're going to tell him to come to Krakoa. And even though she doesn't feel entirely cool about it, when the initial <laughs> attempt at a conversation happens and everybody's like fighting the street, like because she cares about him, really actually cares about him, you know, all of this drama is going on around him. People are lying to him. So she kind of phases through Sue's shield and just embraces him. And that's really kind of the through line of this is can somebody just like not even try to push him to see what he wants, but just like give him a moment to feel his feelings and tell him the truth. Yeah, pretty much. Like the first time where the two of them get to talk one to one, she says, what do you want to him? Which is the one thing that nobody else is asking Franklin. And he goes, well, I'd kind of like to at least see what it's like on the island. And she's like, well, then just go. Yeah, there's a gate right there in Central Park. Go on. And then like, you know, dad's put the boot on him. Yeah, it's like <laughs> as soon as he walks over to that gate, he can't go through. Like he walks through it and it doesn't take him to Krakoa. Is he still in New York? And he's like, what the hell? And Reed's like, oh, yeah, no, I... Uh, I put a block on your mutant gene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I made it so that your mutant gene doesn't register. So even if you decided to go here on your own, even if Charles and Eric hadn't come and said anyone, even if you just said, of your own free will, I would like to check out Krakoa, you would not have been able to. Yeah, my, my guess is, is if that had happened, Reed wouldn't have told him that, oh, I put a block in your gene. He'd probably go, okay, son, well, there's the gate right there. And Franklin would walk through and still be in New York. And he'd be like, oh, I guess, well, you can't go. I guess they don't want you. Oh, that's well. probably what he was hoping for. Yeah, that's probably what he was hoping for. He was hoping for there'd be nobody else there to refute him. So you just go, hey, yeah, you, uh, I guess they don't want you there. Stay with us, son. So shady. <laughs> so manipulative. And that's what even like you can tell, not that he's lost Sue, but Sue's like, you screwed this up now. Yeah. Like yeah. we've lost our chance. So he's at... like, I don't want him to go either, but now he's not going to listen to us. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Um, it really focuses like one of the background focuses while not making him the main character of the story. It does focus on the fact that Reed doesn't understand human beings at all. He doesn't understand other humans. He doesn't understand how to interact. He only understands what he's thinking. And he thinks, well, if I think that this is the right way to go, then everybody else should as well. Because that's the way I think, which unfortunately, of course, is a very common thought process throughout the world. There are tons of people who think like that. But when you're the quote unquote smartest person in the universe, that's a very damaging way to look at things. I know we're not even near sort of the end yet, but do you think, because Franklin sort of implies this in the diner conversation with Ben, do you think either Reed has figured out a way to unbreak his son and or revert ben to air quotes normal and has just chosen not to because of his control issues or do you think it's that he could if he put his full mind to it but he's choosing not because i do feel like it's either one of those yeah, it's not yeah, that, that he's yeah. really tried and can't yeah see here's yeah here's the thing like this is something all the way back to lee and kirby both lee and kirby kind of believe that the reason why he never was able to fix the thing was because Something blocking him, like a subconscious, to go, but he's he's so powerful now. He's strong. He can help us save the universe. So he, on the forefront of his conscious mind, does not put the effort into finding the answer. So it's almost like his subconscious is fighting with his conscious to do what is right because he thinks there's a greater good that needs to be 
protected. And I think in the same instance, it wouldn't be about a greater good, but it would be the subconscious fear of losing his son to the outside world, to parameters beyond his control. That is what he fears. So subconsciously, he thinks he's doing right because his whole goal by doing this is like, well, this protects my son. If he's with me, I can protect him. Because while he has no understanding of, you know, human emotion, psyche, and like the connection of people, he does, of course, have the paternal instincts that have been in our genes forever of like protection, shelter, keep them alive sort of thing. That stuff is there. So by that respect, his brain is going subconsciously. If you give him the abilities to get be free then and not be under your care, or if you give him the abilities to lose his powers, his immense power or control his powers or suppress his powers, he will leave because then there's no reason for him to continue to live with you because he's a young, he's becoming a young man and people his age, 15, 16, 17, they're going to go away to college. They're going to go away to university. And it's like with this, you'll be able to get him to go to like Empire State University as opposed to like, hey, I want to go study in England. So yeah, it's like Reed Richards is his own worst enemy because he pushes people away because he thinks he's doing the right thing for the greater good, quote unquote. Yeah. It's giving Dumbledore. All I want is honestly for these two kids to just find their own apartment somewhere in a small island, you know, just not far from Krakoa so they could visit and Valeria could, you know, have her FaceTimes with Uncle Doom. Uh, and that's the other thing. It's like the the obsession with either controlling uh, Franklin's whereabouts or powers. He's completely letting his daughter become maybe a supervillain. Because yeah. in terms of like her talent is much more like his. And yeah. again, is he threatened by how smart she is and isn't nurturing that? And where is she finding, where is she doing her co-op with Uncle Latveria? No, like this isn't good. Like he's a terrible parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I feel like Sue Storm in all of this is that, and this is kind of the take I feel that a lot of writers have taken with her relationship in the family is that, and I've met tons of people like this, you know, when they have kids and everything like that, they're just an overworked mom. So they're like focusing on what's the things that has to be done. It's like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And in this instant, not only does she have two kids, but she also has to deal with her brother who is essentially, even though he's in his probably his thirties now, is essentially never aged up from when he got his powers when he was like 16, 17. He's just kind of always remained in that bubble. And uh, the thing who you know, is a responsible guy, but is in the body of a rock monster. So he can't, you know, easily do a lot of things. So she's basically handling four kids and she's never feeling the support of her husband because he's always off, you know, rolled up into a ball thinking about ideas that he thinks will save the universe. And so she's just overworked and tired. And I feel like that comes off subtly here that she's sort of like, well, I don't want my son to go. And I can't really think of anything to keep him here or not keep him here. I'm just trying to maintain the status quo because that to me in my brain is peace because that's the peace I can get until we, that we can all survive this sort of thing. There's many fantastic four stories that I read and I, Listen, baby, I understand why you might want to occasionally break a little something off of Namor. Like, you need a break. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, imagine if you, like, have, like, this life where you've got, you know, kids, 
husband, a very demanding job, and like your the- your ex uh, work husband has you know started a whole evil island empire and is still low key obsessed with you and looks at your children as his own. Like it's a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah a lot to to go. <laughs> oh, you know what? I can just jump in this submarine and go to a magical place under yeah. the water. And hang out with a buff guy that will give me my every desire. That's tempting. I get that. That is tempting. <laughs> and that they're really into you and it's all about you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it is. Now, again, that all about you thing would eventually go away because it's Namor. Like, yeah. Namor is one of the biggest narcissists ever. So. Yeah. But yeah, I, at the end of this series, I was definitely like, Sue Girl, just go take a break in the baths, you know. <laughs> Hit those replenishing waters, if you know what I mean, and uh, give yourself a little break from your day to day because your family's not entirely trash, but they're a lot. They're a lot. They're a lot to deal with. They're a lot. And like nobody's listening to her. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the like the the true north, the right of this entire storm, the entire time is Kitty Pride and the way she handles the situation. She's pretty much the only one there without an agenda. And wants what's best, not just for Franklin, but even also Valeria as well. She feels like, oh, crap, we're going back to an island where only mutants can go. And they're not going to let Valeria on that island because they're very gung-ho about that shit. That kind of feel, it is, uh, that's part of the whole, I've talked about this before, the creepiness of the way the, the, the mutants are now on Krakoa. There is a creepy, eerie kind of like, these are the rules type feel. Like, again, you know, if you, if a mutant does something wrong, they bury him in the earth. Like, that's kind of fucked up. Very dark sort of thing. And like, again, even this entire time, we've gone a couple of years with these X-Men. And some people have questioned, you know, the motives of certain characters and stuff. But for the most part, all of the X-Men are on board with this weird kind of society. And... Back when this book came out, they were they were pretty much all of them were very gung ho about it. yeah Krakoa. We we're gonna self govern and yeah, who cares if it's weird that we're gonna basically bury Sabretooth in the earth and shit like that. And regardless but, of what side of things you're on, it's like oh look, all of our dads are getting along together, like our Hellfire dads, our Brotherhood yeah. dads, our like X Men dads, like even Morlocks finally like we can just like roam about and like everything's like not cool. There's some weird. It's it's a cult. Yeah. It's a cult. It's, it's a, a cult. cult. But after all of the, you know, genocide and persecution and whatever, I can't really blame them. I, you know, you know, it's not going to end well because it can't end well because otherwise it wouldn't be as interesting a story. But uh, I'm kind of like, I don't often find myself rooting for cults, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that, by that same actuality, they give off that cult mentality. Yeah. So there is the subconscious part of Reed that could look at, they go, I don't want my son to join a cult. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. If you're a kid. And I think that's definitely where Sue's coming from. Yeah. Is, you know, your child is going to be recruited by this cult because they're Omega level, especially, you know, that it is a cult, like that only certain people are allowed to even visit or come and go freely unless it's the once a year party, uh, the Hellfire Gala. And you know that because you're a terrible parent, occasionally your kids don't make the best choices. So all of this, like, it's not completely not understandable why he redoes the things he does. He just goes about it all the wrong way. And he makes the cult look good. And the cult's like, yeah, then you can come, come and go. Like, they're still long gaming this at the end. Yeah. Yeah. 
The one character that I feel is kind of lacking in this entire story is Franklin because he's almost used as a plot piece instead of a character. And I know that wasn't the intention of Zdarsky and the Dodsons, but really his character is very one note throughout the most, most of the story. And it's him listening to other people and hearing their thoughts and really getting into what they think of a situation where there's not a lot coming out of Franklin. It's very much like he's just taking in. And yeah, his sister is more interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so I, yeah. So it's kind of, that is kind of a letdown for this story since he is supposed to be the main character. He kind of comes off as like Judd Hirsch and Taxi. Yeah. I, I think. What this story does more than do anything to move the Franklin character forward is to show to somebody easily without having read any of the rest of the Hickman extended universe, what concerns we may have about Krakoa in the future. Like mm -hmm. those little like interstitials that like sort of excerpts from Reed's log and like where are all the mutants and like who's living here, who's living off Kakoa, how many Omega love me? Like those little interstitials in the notes. And then also the wild behavior of Wolverine and Aurora when they're, you know, at Club Doom. Like you were just hot because somebody rolled up on you guys in Kakoa to spy on you to see if you took the kids. And then you immediately go to Homie's Island and accidentally kill someone. Also, like, why didn't Wolverine smell him? Anyway, point is. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, that's the thing. Wolverine can't help but smell people. That's just his thing. Yeah. But he didn't smell the person before he killed them. They, like, they thought it was Doombots, but they were, like, mutants that were conscripted. And But I guess I'm sure Doom could find a way to, like, hide uh, chemo signals and pheromones well, yeah, well, or whatever. Think, yeah, the I think suit. the idea, yeah. I think the idea is because the suit was sealed yeah. when he killed them. And then, of course, it was unsealed after they died because the claw marks yeah. and everything then the pheromones would get out. I think yeah. that's the logic. Yeah. But that's also like a heck of an escalation to, you know, you, you've just arrived. They've just set you up a lovely spot on the beach at a beautiful tiki bar and you decide to choose violence. And it's like, I get that for Wolverine, but uh, Aurora, I expected better of you. It's like, and that is what I think the story does better than doing anything for Franklin's character development is starting to show the cracks in what our X-Men are becoming due to this cult that they've been living within for a while. Cause mm -hmm. I definitely think OG world would have had them be more diplomatic, like Kitty for good or for ill. Like they're upset that she makes the much more diplomatic, less violent choice. Yeah. And it's like, but that's the kind of dumb stuff that Charles did all the time before. Yeah. 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 I also want to say that this is a, a nice follow-up to Zdarsky's last work with the Fantastic Four characters with uh, Marvel 2-in-1 when, uh, you know, he basically got to tell the story of Thing and Human Torch trying to figure out where, where Reed and Sue had gone. It was nice to see Zdarsky get to revisit these characters and continue to put his spin on them, which I thought was pretty cool. But of course... Let's talk about the thing that brought you to the book in the first place. And that is, of course, the artwork of the Dodsons in this book. I'd say they're pretty much like, uh, like they're not doing anything new. They're not introducing new elements, but they are doing like their, you know, high quality standard on the Fantastic Four and the X-Men here. Absolutely. Kitty's never looked hotter. Like the hair is. Oh, she's got the hair going on. She looks amazing. Oh my yeah. God. She looks like she's had a fresh blowout in every panel. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she's she's got like a, a portable blowout bar just rolling with her. Doom is of all the characters, the one that you don't have like your typical dots and things, the hair and beautiful eyes to play with. And they just go full in on the cape and like the the reflection off the metal and the thighs. <laughs> yeah, Doom <laughs> is giving obviously Emma looks amazing. Although em, this is one where because they do sometimes do kind of similarish faces, Emma and Sue are similarish. Right, the two blondes. Yeah. yeah. One's just a little bit taller. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, but definitely I love, I also love that, that Charles and Magneto are almost dressed like couples that match. Like they're, <laughs> they're a little like matchy matchy complimentary. Yeah, every day is date night for these two. Like they just are clearly just exclusively hanging out with each other. Like we're just like, oh, we've been uh, on opposite sides for so long now that we're on our cult island and all of our babies can play together. We're just like not even going to hide this anymore. We're just, you're my best friend and i am yours i'm yours and you are mine and we look great together all the time it is just like i love this for them i love this for them they're so cute i like how your explanation started to rhyme that was great yeah i was like when did entrick and the demon show up here oh my god the one thing that i will say about the dodsons is that very much like john ramita senior they don't know how to draw ugly. Yeah. Everything just is naturally going to look pretty no matter what they draw. Because that's, they draw pretty. That's it. Just very much like John Romita Sr. is the reason why Peter Parker became a stud is because he didn't know how to draw ugly. They, they don't know how to draw ugly at all. And so you get a lot of beautiful people, even like characters that would be seen as like average people would look like supermodels with them. Yeah. And, and this is, there's been many iterations recently of Reed Richards that are giving Krasinski this one definitely is giving Krasinski quite a bit. Mm. So uh, that as well, it's just, I would love to see a version of this or some modified uh, version of the story as how, if they ever do finally introduce the Fantastic Four in MCU, we know uh, they keep making us wait. There's no <laughs> answer to D23. We don't know what's going on. Now, Ryan Reynolds has distracted us, but all that to say, this would be the push-pull between, like, the bad, the triad of bad dads and fun bad uncle. Like, I love this energy. I love this dynamic because you still have other fun characters around them. If anything, the only thing I would have wanted was just, like, a scotch more humor, but you didn't really have time because they were doing a lot. They were traveling a lot. They're moving between the different spaces and like, I liked that it was short, that it was just four, but I think with one more, we might've gotten a little more time for, you know, Sue to be a frustrated parent for anyone to try to talk Charles Magneto in or out of their approach, just a little more kind of time for the characters to explain their choices. Cause like by the time we get to that last issue, it's escalated beyond the point of any kind of rational thought. Yeah, yeah. Then it just becomes uh, me against you as opposed to what are we really trying to accomplish here sort of thing, yeah. definitely. But, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, one of the better uh, titles to come out of the uh, initial X-Men reimagining. And I definitely think it's worth checking out. And, uh, yeah, Patula, I know you love it because uh, you're the one that told me to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just pretty. It's clean it's an easy read a lot of our favorite characters 
doing fun stuff, but they use the Reed Richards Journal interstitial to give you background if you don't know much about Krakoa. So this is a great kind of standalone way into the dynamics of the Fantastic Four and uh, what's going on with the X-Men in sort of uh, stage one of how to build a cult. Yeah. And like, that's the key here is that, as you mentioned, it's a standalone, like it gives you all the information you need to read it on its own. But for the longtime reader, not only does it tie into Hickman's X-Men universe it all, or and Zdarsky's Marvel 2-in-1 that was just uh, like a year or two previous, it also has connections all the way back to the X-Men versus the Fantastic Four from the 80s. So it's got a very cool kind of like family tree for it in comics world. So I definitely think you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Petula, we've come to the end of the program. Tell the good folks where they can find you. At Inatif.com, on Twitter at ObesaCantavit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. And of course, you can find everything I do over at GeekHardShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at GeekHard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. Of course, the easiest way to make sure that you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. Leave a five-star rating review while you're there, and then, you know, go out and tell your friends, tell your friends' friends. Tell your friends, friends, friends. Tell your friends, 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 friends about Back Issue Bloodbath. I know that's a lot of friends, but I have faith in you. You can do it. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petunio. Have yourself a good... <laughs>